So, hey, folks, uh, welcome back to the podcast. Today, we've got a couple of esteemed guests with us. Our first interview today is going to be on success strategies for graduate nurse anesthesia school. And with us today, we've got Dr. Mason McDowell, professor at Western Carolina University's nurse anesthesia program, and Kara Michalov, a CRNA who graduated from the program a couple of years ago. And we're very excited to have them with us. So take a moment and just introduce yourselves. Tell us uh, where you work, what kind of practice you do, how long you've been out of school, those kind of things. Kara? Uh, I'm Kara, and I graduated in May of 2013, and I work for All Care Clinical Associates in Asheville, and I don't know, it's a medium-sized hospital practice, it's a private practice that's affiliated with the hospital, and... I know it's a team model, if you want to know that. Okay, great. Anesthesia care team model. Yeah. So there's an anesthesiologist there. Mm-hmm. Great. Dr. McDowell? Yeah, so uh, Mason McDowell, and I went to Virginia Commonwealth University. It was called, it was in transition then, Medical College of Virginia slash Virginia Commonwealth University. So that's where I earned my degree. Graduated in 2000. Spent a year in Charlotte and uh, worked there for Carolina's Medical Center and then discovered Asheville on some weekend jaunts and moved here. And it's been happily ever after. I've been in Asheville since 2000, end of 2001, beginning of 2002. And subsequently, as I considered maybe getting my doctorate, I thought maybe I should try teaching a little bit, and lo and behold, they opened a program in my backyard. So I've been splitting my time really since 2008. Uh, I've worked for Asheville Anesthesia Associates, which is now called All Care. So I've been there for the last however long, 11, 12 years, 12 years, I guess. And then with the university teaching in the program part-time, then assistant director, then interim director, and then back to the assistant director role since 2008. I've done a little bit of everything in in the anesthesia side of, of things. I spent a lot of time doing anesthesia for vascular surgery. That was sort of my passion, liked that a lot. So that's where I am now. Great. That sounds good. And you're getting ready to transition to where, just briefly? I am, yeah. So I, I will be moving in just a matter of weeks, in fact, to Chad, Africa, which if you're like me, you have to look on the map. That is the middle of the middle of Africa. It's also called the dead heart of Africa. I haven't told my wife yet that, so <laughs> don't mention it. Um, so I'll be running the anesthesia department at a little mission hospital and training the surgeons and the nurses there how to give anesthesia, because the way they do it there is much like we did it in the United United States around the Civil War. Wow. So there's room for improvement. Right. Well, we wish you the best with that. And of course, uh, the program here will miss you dearly. But as I understand, we'll still be in touch through sending students over and Absolutely. Uh, the occasional uh, long distance FaceTime call or something <laughs> like that. So, Well, before you go, I wanted to sit down and interview you, Dr. McDowell and Kara, to talk about uh, success strategies for graduate school students, um, SRNAs that are coming into grad school. What are things that they can think about to uh, navigate all of the waters of a nurse anesthesia program successfully. So I've got a slew of questions for you. And Kara, I really appreciate you being here to kind of bring home the perspective of what actually worked in graduate school through passing boards and making that transition into the first couple of years of clinical practice. So I appreciate that. And of course, Dr. McDowell, your experience in teaching um, SRNAs and having that kind of perspective. So Let's back up before we get to grad school, though, and talk briefly about what can SRNAs do to set themselves up for success ahead of starting graduate school. So these are these are critical care nurses. They're either applying for or recently accepted into a nursing anesthesia program. What would be your advice to them? How can they prepare for school? Hmm. I think 
if you don't know where you want to go to school, spend some time looking around on the internet. And the internet can be your friend and your foe. Discussion boards uh, can give you some insight, but sometimes squeaky wheels you know, kind of get all the oil. So you can't necessarily learn everything you need from the internet. I would truly, the best advice I think I'd give is to say, make personal contact with the program director or assistant director, one or the other or both. Uh, I think that goes a long way into figuring out what that particular program feels like is, is the best the best path for success to getting into their program, you know, and then worry about succeeding once you're in there at another time. But, you know, what what does the program director value the most for an applicant? Great. And they'll tell you, for us, we love this ICU type or that or this. You haven't been in school for a while. I recommend taking graduate classes to improve your GPA or to show that you're still, you know, academically capable of learning again. I think that's great. that's great advice. Great. Kara, how about you? Advice for someone coming into graduate school? Um, I agree with that. I think, you know, for me, I went and visited some schools and looked at them and did meet with people. And I went to some open houses and tried to really just meet. I guess I met Dr. McDowell. He wasn't the director, but, you know, he was at the open house and just very candidly speak to them about this is my experience and this is my interest and see how it feels like it fits. Yeah. And what, yeah, like he said, what they value, because I got, you know, the feeling from some schools that I visited that it just didn't seem like it would fit personality wise or just kind of what their focus was on, right. you know, education, the size of the class that they take, I think was important to me and how many people they tend to keep. Like I wanted to go somewhere where it was small. Like I didn't want to go somewhere where, you know, first semester, their goal is get a third of the people out, you know, right. so I think right. things like that. Great. What kind of advice would you all give for students that have families, either significant others or children that are coming into a program? I would just cut them loose. (laughs) (laughs) Of course, I don't mean that. Um, But you hear this topic come up a lot, and I don't know how to best say to prepare for the stresses of school, but it's until you live it, you can't truly appreciate. And even now, I mean, this came up a few days ago, my wife talking about um, how graduate school was for me and how I was really sequestered in the office studying all the time. And fortunately, at the time, I only was neglecting my wife and not my wife and, and children. So trying to find a balance, I think maybe I wasn't the most balanced student. I was, you know, maybe the program director liked my degree of commitment, but I could have been maybe, you know, spent more time with the family. So I'd say take your head out of the books from time to time and remember that there's probably a reason you're going to school. It's professional satisfaction, but you want to provide, you know, a better life for those around you too. So um, so care for your, your wife and your kids and your pets. Right. <laughs> Whatever you have, you can't you can't truly be tunnel vision with anesthesia school. And I'm saying that as you know a faculty member who I should want you to be 100. percent But care for yourself and your family too. Right. That's great. Care thoughts on did, did you have family significant others? Did you I see do. peers that had that? I do. Mine made it through. Not everybody's did. I think it really is a lot of strain on a relationship in a family. And I think that even though people that I knew ahead of that you know, ahead of me in school told me that was going to happen. You don't really totally believe them or understand it until you're doing it. And then you realize, yeah, like how much of a strain it is. And even if your family is supportive, you know, they still feel it because, you know, they recognize that they may be second now for this amount of time as much as they want to be okay with that. It can still be hard. Right. I think you just have to talk about it ahead of time with them, you know, that it's going to be a stress and hopefully you'll be able to work through it. And like Dr. McDowell said, try and make time for them and 
not always put them second. Right. Yeah, that's great. Well, switching back to the SRNAs, would you recommend that they study anything before they come to school? Not anesthesia-related. I think you need to come in being well-versed in the stuff that you should already know. Like physiology, maybe, if you feel like you need to review that, even if you're going to take a course, because the course that you'll take is usually a review course. You know, you've usually taken one, I guess you'd have had to for nursing school, but I don't think you need to, you know, at least I didn't feel they expected us to not know anything about anesthesia. Great. But you should know basic physiology, pharmacology, things like that. Great. What do you think, Dr. McDowell? Yeah, I would echo that. You know, I, I think looking at applicants, the people that stand out are those that really are strong with physiology and pharmacology. And that comes up in many interviews, in fact, as you're preparing. Mm-hmm. You know, have, if you can, slightly more than the, the most basic of knowledge. Try to dig a little bit deeper. And if you can do that while you're working in the ICU, it's more applicable because you see how it relates to your own patient population. There are maybe are two schools of thought, though. You know you're in school. You're going to start in four months or six months. What should you do? And some people go to Europe and backpack and, and have a great time and don't even look at a book, and that works. Um, other people might you know, finish off their CCRN if they haven't done that. I was probably not surprisingly a little bit of an anesthesia nerd. I had friends that were already in school and friends that were CRNAs, and so they gave me their books, and I, I read those. So, you know, I, I read Miller's Anesthesia, Baby Miller's, not not the, the big stack, and Morgan and McHale, and Mass General Procedures book. I mean, I, I took that kind of stuff to the beach with me. I was just that lame that I wanted to know as much as I could. Do you feel like that, that prepared, or that, that paid off in school? Um this won't be a one-size-fits-all for everybody. For me, I, I truly did love the science of it, so it wasn't, yeah. you know, I wasn't going to read something else. I wasn't going to pick up War and Peace. You know, I, I wanted to know more about anesthesia. Right. So I was, you know, I was sucking it all up, and I, that worked for me. I think I think it stuck. I think I knew more than, than the average person starting school. Right. I think for me, enjoying the time before you come into school, knowing that it is going to be very demanding. But Kara, I think you had a great point. Anesthesia programs expect you not to know anything about anesthesia. And they really do teach you from the ground up as far as the anesthesia-related content. If I had it to do over again, I would have loved to, as you said, Dr. McDowell, pay more attention in the ICU, investigate things. If you don't know what's going on, um, you know, look up that drug, know your dose ranges. If you know you're headed to anesthesia school, try to understand the why of the things that you're doing while you're in the ICU. It's so easy just to get in the routine of going to work and coming home. But in anesthesia, I think for me, that's been the biggest lesson is that here is where you actually learn the why behind everything. Mm -hmm. So, you know, talk to your respiratory therapist, talk to your critical care intensivist, really try to find out what's going on. So you do bring that sound clinical experience into school. And maybe just to echo on that, I I use this phrase, intellectual curiosity. And it's, it's a trait that I like to see in applicants. If they're already looking into why, while they're in the ICU, they're a good candidate to be successful through anesthesia school because it's not enough to be a technician. So if you can, you know, you have a patient with this pathophysiology, read about it. And if you, you your unit uses norepi and not neosinephrine, why is that? Mm-hmm. You know, there, there are a million whys behind things, and not all of them are absolutes, but you should want to know why things work in a, in a more meaningful way than just the superficial level. Right. You will get it in school, but if you already are developing that trait of intellectual curiosity, I think it'll serve you well. Great. Speaking of things that you look for in applicants, you've both been involved in interviews of uh, applicants to SRNA programs. What are some of the things that stick out to you in some of those interviews? Do you remember much from your interview, Karen? Oh, I remember everything from my interview. (laughs) Were we nice? Yeah, fairly nice. 
I remember most clearly a question that I had, which was basically somebody just who remain nameless, leaned forward and said, so I'm going to give you a scenario and I want you to answer and don't say, you know, now, you know, imagine you're the doctor, the CRNA or whatever, but don't think of it as though you're the nurse in the ICU. Don't say, I'll call the doctor. Like, what would you do if you had to make the decisions? Lean forward and said, you have a patient and your blood pressure is 70. And I said, okay. And he said, that's it. And so, you know, it just makes you think because that was me coming from, I've worked in a pediatric ICU. Uh So how old is this patient? Is this patient an infant? That's an okay blood pressure. If it's a systolic, are you talking about systolic? Are you talking about a mean arterial pressure? Are you talking about the diastolic? Are you talking about an adult? I also worked in a trauma ICU. Is this a spinal cord injury? What's the context, right? Is this a trauma? You know, and all of those things change what I'm concerned about, what I'm looking for, how I'm going to treat it. If it's a spinal cord injury and they're in shock, you know, what I'm going to use to treat that versus if it's a trauma and their arm has been cut off and they're bleeding out, you know, so that all I think goes back to knowing your basic physiology and pharmacology. Did they give you that Why? information or no. was that your no. answer? My or? answer was basically, well, if it, if this is the scenario, this is what I would do. If this is right. the scenario, this is what I would do. But these are, you know, and I think the goal was to see what I was thinking because right. you can't, you can't just take one number or one fact and run with you it. You say, have to figure out. 70, well, I'll treat that with extra because there's right. more information that you really need. And even if you said their diastolic is 70, you still need to know the age. You still need to know the scenario. You, you know, is it a right. heart failure patient? What I'm going to use to help their blood pressure is very different than if it's, like I said, a trauma and they're bleeding out. So, right. you know. Were you thinking all that as an applicant or are you yes. using your CRNA brain? No, I was thinking That's all that as an applicant. I'm glad I, was we thinking, <laughs> I was thinking about the 26-year-old motorcycle it. wreck that I had taken care of that had a spinal cord injury that was like a, you know, T2. And so, you know, their blood pressure can be low. What am I going to use to treat that versus an infant versus, you know, the old lady with heart failure? And so that's all stuff that you should have some knowledge of working in the ICU. The anesthesia education is only going to help you so much if you don't understand the physiology of why that is the scenario for that patient and the pharmacology of how to treat it and what you would and wouldn't do, you know. So I guess that just goes back to all of that to have that interest as a nurse to already be learning that stuff and thinking about why when I have this patient in the ICU, we drew it this way, and why when I have this patient, we do it this way. And if you don't understand that, you may or may not learn that part in school. Right. Like, you should already have, a you know, the ability to learn that, Some I guess. Knowledge. Yeah, sure. Yeah. So, Dr. McDowell, things that stick <laughs> out to you and applicants in the interview? I think uh, interviewing is an acquired skill. And for people who have never interviewed or have interviewed very, very little, Sometimes that's not your best, you know, your best asset, but I think the day of interview probably weighs more heavily than anything else you do to get into school. I mean, it just is. Your your GPA has already been looked at, and you've been compared to a lot of applicants. So assume that as you walk into the interview, everybody's equal. All the lesser thans have been eliminated from the process. So practice interviewing. You know, be confident. Look people in the eye. And think through, while you're at home for the days and weeks and months before interview, what type of questions will they ask me in an interview for anesthesia school? And that's all out there on the internet. You know, Some of it's just getting to know your personality, and sometimes the uh, admissions committee wants to know, what does this person really know? So give them as much detail as you can. I mean, if you think you can go deeper with your answers, go deeper. And if they touch on a subject that you're not that familiar with, you're probably best to be honest and say, I just... 
I don't know the answer to that. I'll, you know, this is what I think, but I'm not positive. I would have to look that up. And I think they appreciate that more than the tap dance because usually the committee knows you're dancing. Right. That's great. I think it goes without saying full professional dress, show up early, be on time, all of this kind of basic yeah. things. Yeah. I mean, even if you get a dry run, some people come from, you know, out of the state and they don't have that luxury, but you know, I wouldn't fly in the morning of your interview if at all possible, try to come the night before and, you know, get there early. It's better just to hang out in the parking lot and listen to music or whatever than, than to show up at the last minute sweating. And it's already a tense day anyway. All right. Well, great insight. So anything else that came to mind that you want to mention before we move on as far as the the pre-grad school success strategies no again i think it's it's a product if if you know people already in the program ask them what was your interview like you know that information is sometimes out there even on discussion boards go in with as much information as you can to give you the best chance for success and sometimes even you know the the program director or assistant director might give you some insight also if you talk to them days or weeks or months before yeah what's the interview like here some places are gonna you know they're gonna quiz you heavily they have a preset list of questions other places like myself you know I'm going to use what you give me so when you tell me about your patients we'll go deeper on that topic I'm not gonna ask you about cardiac if you're you know something else if you're a peds trauma whatever great Kara any other thoughts on prior to grad school how to get ready know what the profession is hmm, that great. you are saying that you want to get into. Great. If they ask you what do you think a CRNA does, you should probably be able to answer that. And obviously you don't know exactly, but you should have shadowed, so you should have some idea of what you saw and what you think they do. And you should, That's you know, That's advice. not a hard question, but if you can't answer that, then they may not want to hear what else you have to say, you know, what, then why do you want to do this? If you don't know what you're getting into. Exactly. <laughs> you know? Right. Yeah, just maybe one more thing to piggyback is know the program you're mm-hmm. applying to and interviewing as well. When they say things like, why did you choose to come to whatever anesthesia program? You know, saying things like, I love the mountains is it's great to love mountains, but you probably, the committee wants to know, like, what is it about our program? Why are you sitting in front of us today? So know a little bit about their clinical sites and what types of things the students can or can't do. And I mean, really invest a little bit of time. It should be on the program's website, at least the fundamental stuff. You don't need to ask a lot of the things that are already there, you know, but when I ask you, you know, why did you come here today? Have an answer so that, you know, it shows you've done a little bit of homework and it's not just because it's within 40 minutes of your house and it's most convenient. That may be your answer, but that shouldn't be your only answer. Right, exactly. All great advice. Thank you for that. So at this point, we experienced some technical difficulties and our recording actually ended pretty abruptly. So we hope that you enjoyed the show on how to prepare for graduate nurse anesthesia programs. And be sure to check out the next podcast uh, that follows this one up where we sit down and talk with Mason and Kara about how to be successful in a nurse anesthesia program.